This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Transforming 45. Uh, if, you, if you are watching this episode... <laughs> It is a, uh, the day that we're recording is a very gray and um, exceptionally moody day. So I woke up and I was like, I'm putting on the sunshine. And then I will bring the dark. My guest shows up looking elegant and sophisticated. And I'm like, oh, we've got like sporty spice and posh spice vibes happening here this morning. Um, And if you're not watching, and you're just listening. I'm sorry that you're missing out on the visual. I'll post a picture. <laughs> Love it. It's worth it. <laughs> so this week's guest is Leanna Jane Lewis, transformational coach, uh, inspirer, entrepreneur. I could go on. Uh, and in full transparency, Leanna is my coach. So this conversation is going to be a really interesting one because you know all of my tells. I do know <laughs> all of your tells. I won't tell I them. All of my things, probably more than anybody else. So this is going to be um, exceptionally raw and vulnerable because I know I can't put up any of the uh, any of the things that I usually do. So yeah, I'm so glad that you are here today. Same, same, same. Okay, so tell me your story. How did you get to where you are in your life right now? Yeah, so I was thinking about this and I'm like, gosh, there's so many things. There's always, it's such a big question, right? Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, it would it's a series of small things that add up to like an overarching theme of like, and we're done. <laughs> like, and I'm done playing this game. Um mm-hmm you know, battling and battling and battling on, on so many physical levels. I, I honestly feel like my children pre- propelled me into a, a decision that was like toothpaste out of the tube, you know, we're not going back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which I feel like is a very common thing for women that um, identify as mothers and bear children is that there is this sort of rebirthing of yourself, right? Of like what really matters. Um, and so, so there was that... Um, I think it also was quite propelled by my father's stage four cancer diagnosis when I first began, like on the very precipice of me making the decision of like, right, we're, it's that, it's that sort of song. We're here for a a short time, like not a long time. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think when we get propelled and pushed into these lived experiences that are very telling, they're like these benchmarks of decisions you make that are actually quite simple. And I think sometimes we we get ourselves so backed into a corner where there's no other option but to choose ourselves. So that was really a series of small things. But one thing in particular was when I was pregnant, I was working, uh, I was teaching. So I was a teacher. I still identify as a teacher, but I was a teacher in a classroom in a system. Um, so not the public system, but still in a system where, you know, I have to go to work at this time and I have to do this there and all these things, right? And so I'm sort of in that box, if you will. And I loved it until I didn't, right? Like I loved it until I just couldn't anymore because it was at the the peril of loving myself. So there was this one moment where I was very, very pregnant, (laughs) very tired. Um, My days were extremely long. Um, I remember sitting in the gymnasium where we were having our meeting and HR was there. So where I happened to work, you needed to take a ferry there. So you were sort of on the schedule of the ferry. So even if school ended at 3.30, the ferry didn't come till 4.30, which means I wasn't home till 5.30. Um, and so that's a really long day for leaving at seven in the morning. Um, and so I remember sitting in and they had announced the change of ferry schedule, which would make my day only by half an hour, but it would make it even longer. And I immediately started crying. 
Like mm-hmm. not just from the flood of hormonal changes from being pregnant, I would have cried no matter what, because it's like, wait a second. That means I will only spend 90 minutes with my daughter every day, 90 minutes. And then she's in bed. Like that slayed me. And I just felt my gut like open. And so I think the decision was already sort of born there, seated there, if you will. And then another situation I remember going up, I was constantly like sick or like, you know, I had a lot of sinus stuff when I was pregnant. And so my daughter did as well. And I remember going upstairs to, you know, change her bed sheets, which seemed to be on a sort of biannual basis. Like it wasn't happening as often as it should. I was so busy. There was so many balls Mm -hmm. I dropped. And I remember like going to change her bed sheet and it was like this, I feel shame coming up, like embarrassment of like, mm-hmm. I'm about to say a thing and I know everybody can relate, but also I'm like, I don't know this. I feel like this is pretty bad. And I went to pick up her sheet and it was like hard, like crusted hard. Like you could like snap it. It was like all of her stuff and her sweat and her like fevers, chills or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so this can't ha- like, this is what it's come to. So I just feel like it was a series of extreme responses to an extreme situation, at least Mm -hmm. felt extreme to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's it. And then I just began the question of, okay, what would it look like to take my yoga practice online? Because I was teaching yoga Mm -hmm. at the time. I'm like, oh, what would it look to take my yoga practice online? Um, And then it just came up was born from that one question Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's it in a nutshell yeah that's a good nutshell yeah it's (laughs) a series of like moments of shame and rage Mm. basically Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah there's a couple of things that are coming up there for me um maybe i'll just go through them yeah in the order that they come up in your story but it is the role of grief Mm. yeah in being a catalyst for change and I think in so, because I, I spoke about this on the last podcast with Tina, where mm-hmm. it was watching my mom's rage as she left this world, having never fulfilled the life that she really deeply desired, Yeah, that planted a seed in me that took like more than a decade to, to come to fruition. However, mm-hmm. <clears throat> when I really think about the role of grief and that kind of loss, it yeah. has been probably the biggest catalyst for making change in my life because Mm -hmm. I do not want to go out in rage. Yeah. Yeah. And we do not want to carry on the story that burdened our parents before us. Yeah. Yeah. That generational trauma Mm -hmm. that runs through the lifetimes of relationships, Mm -hmm. um, there comes the time where you decide I can't keep repeating this pattern and, and staying ensnared in this same story and narrative that keeps playing itself over and over and over again. So this moment I am going to make a different decision. Yeah. And I, yes. And so, you know, when you mentioned grief, I can't help but sort of think of my dad because grief was, it was sort of this, something dying, like not just something like my father and we had a very close relationship, you know, he was my dad. And so there's that. And then there's also sort of the, the, the bearing new fruits of this new sort of adventure. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think of that, but also I think of, you know, not wanting to forget what actually matters because that was something that my dad really taught me is that um, all of these things, when they, when they all add up, what's very important to you in the end. Uh-huh. And so leading from that place felt like a no brainer really. But then there's uh-huh. the grief. I remember the flooding grief of all those years. I overworked myself. I pushed myself. I tried to please some external or internal unknown that I couldn't name. Uh-huh. It's like this sensation of trying to get to the end of the court and it's never going to be enough. And I'm like, wait a second. I, I don't think I want to play that game. No. And when I first untangled myself from my former career, yeah. also as, a, as an educator, that was part of the grief as well. Right. Yeah. Was that, and my kids are a lot older. So 
the amount of things that I missed mm -hmm. was a grief that I hadn't uh, anticipated. I had sort of thought about the grief of the change in my identity or the grief in my daily routine or relationships that I knew wouldn't carry on. Yeah. But those things actually weren't the heaviest. The heaviest yeah. was when I was able to have a little space where I could look at everything I had missed mm -hmm. because I was so constrained by, you must be here at this time and you cannot leave until this time. And mm -hmm. if you want to be good, yeah. you need to stay for hours after that. Like yeah. the, the script that I wrote for myself, once I got past the, like when you have young kids, Mm -hmm. The conversation I was ha having with um, someone who has very young humans and who is yeah. actually just about to go back from maternity leave. The gift of that is that you it focus it makes you focus. Yeah. Right? It you know, the daycare drop off and pick up makes you accountable <laughs> makes you accountable to your child in a way that's yeah. real that's really important. But we carry so much guilt and shame around that. Like I remember. Yeah running out of the building mm -hmm. much sooner than the majority of my colleagues because I had to get my kiddo from daycare. But the last thing I should have been feeling was guilt or shame around that. It should have yeah. been, this is what is most important in my life. And I am going to see these little balls of love that I, that I love more than anything. Yeah. And the joy that should have been in that moment was so filled with guilt and shame. Yeah, because everybody else is doing it, right? Like that's the, that's sort of the piece of, I remember thinking when I'm going mm. back to work after my second, I was like, in my head, which I never did, right? So, because I, 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 I shifted, I never went back to work with two children. That was, I, did. Mm -hmm. I was like, and I think we're not going to try that. But in my head, the whole time I was like, I'll find a way. Everybody else is doing it. It's just like normalizing this incredible awareness of, but I don't want to do it this way. But I'm like, how am I going to do this? How can we afford to put our kids in daycare and work? Like I'll be making no money and just, I guess everybody else is doing it. Right. And so it's, it was sort of the guilt of, uh, in a different flavor of I, I'm, I'm feeling like I can't do this already. And like, what is wrong with me? Okay, everybody else is. And so I guess I should be able to get on board, mm -hmm. which is, you know, I, I, and I think the grief too, for me was a big one for me was um, because I didn't lose a lot of time with my kids, like in the same way that you did. So my story's a little mm -hmm. bit different. I, I certainly lost a lot of time with my first daughter. Um, mm -hmm. But one of the things that like I kept going through in my head when I thought back to all the years that I was so hard on myself and sacrificed so much and just drilled myself into the ground was like, how could I have done that to myself for so long? Like there was this like pouring of love and love is grief, right? Love is mm -hmm. grief. There isn't really much of a separation, no. Um, just in the language we give it and the way we find it in a story, but it's very much the same feeling of so much love for myself and so much of like, oh, babe, why'd you do that? Mm -hmm. You know, and it was really overwhelming at the time. Yeah. I've heard you say this, this line a couple of times now. It was what, what do I want? Mm -hmm. And that is such a powerful question that I think, think we don't give ourselves enough time to ask. Yeah. You know, that you had the you had the self-reflective capacity to in that moment say, what mm -hmm. do I really want? Yeah. Is so powerful because I it took me 20 years to mm -hmm. ask that question. And now that I and I keep and I reflect on it every day. Mm -hmm. Every single day that question Oh, there's something happening. <laughs> yeah, because it it's an acknowledgement of all the things that we haven't really given ourselves or like the way our mind works is it's that 
we recognize that's the last question I'm asking myself after everything else mm-hmm. is all said and done. And we just really see how backwards that is and how not self-serving that is. Like it, that doesn't serve mm-hmm. us at all until it becomes a normalized piece of our mind, right? Until mm-hmm. that's the first question. And, and I think when we get to the point of what do I want versus getting to the point of, okay, now what do I need? Like I'm at a, I, I'm at a critical mass point. And of course, we're all going to have to get to that point at some stage in our journey. And my invitation mm-hmm. is to not get to that point, avoid the absolute sheer, you know, breaking apart because it's not really necessary for learning, but we're going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. <laughs> until we don't until we're like you know what I'm just actually not gonna fall apart and that was the thing that I learned through COVID that was a huge learning for me mm-hmm. something I noted yeah. in my journal <laughs> <laughs> and that was I mean so COVID was kind of the impetus for this episode because you and I had been mm-hmm. having a conversation about all of the learnings you you had made a post mm-hmm. um, around that around the things that we learned during COVID the things that we re- that we reflected on mm-hmm. and at this time so in my Facebook memories every day comes up something that was happening in that first in those yeah. first few weeks of COVID yeah. Where we, thought we were so we were so cute back then. We, we were so were cute. cute. We, we were, were like, precious. oh, we were just like, oh, everybody, it's a chance to just take a pause for three years, <laughs> and it will never be the same. No. Yeah, we were so cute back then. I had one we memory were. come by, and I was yeah. like doing a live. I'm like, here's how you can do some homeschooling, mamas. Like, oh my god, <laughs> for three years on and off, sucker. <laughs> Yes, I was so excited going to the dollar store, getting all my bits and my little trays and all the things. Oh, it was so cute. I know. And there's this funny nostalgia. Yeah. Around those first few weeks where we were. Um, yeah, where we were, we were doing, we were so cute thinking, oh, well, yeah. we're just going to do this thing for a couple of weeks. And, yeah. and at the time we thought a couple of weeks sounded like a long time. Yes. Like, I will never forget the moment right? we all have the moments, right? Those yeah. historical time-stamped moments that holds yeah. every, uh, like every element, every sense is part of that. So mm-hmm. mine for COVID was, I was driving home. I'd been at a school in the south end of the board that I work in. And so I had had 40 minutes where I just was driving and was disconnected. And we were going on a trip. So I stopped at Shoppers Drug Mart to pick up some things that we might need when we were getting home. Mm-hmm. And I parked and I looked at my phone and I had a flood, like 50 messages. Whoa. What is what what did i miss in those 40 minutes that i was driving so i open up and i look at those messages and i was like holy fuck Mm. there's there's something whoa okay Mm -hmm. and at that point it was just that the schools were closing for the week after march break. yes yes one week and that spawned this like spin out of oh my gosh and I got out of my car and I was walking towards Shoppers Drug Mart and I ran into um, a longtime friend. She and I actually went to high school together. Nice. <clears throat> and she was a colleague, so also an educator. And she said, like, her eyes were huge, huge. And she was like, can you believe this? We're going to be closed for the week after yeah. March break. Like it's wild. Like it's wild. And I feel so guilty about that. And like, there were so many emotions about one week. One week. One week. Yeah. Just sh- let me just shift your paradigm. <laughs> yeah. But, because the idea for schools closing, I mean, that was huge. Like, whoa, mm-hmm. there must be something really big happening. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. Huge. And then we had those first few weeks that felt a little bit, you know, like an escape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of and almost then- relax. 
relaxing, I would say, because there was no pressure, right? No. Yeah. No. For the first, for me, it was the first two weeks. Actually, maybe it was only the first week because then at the time I was working centrally. So we were tasked with figuring out how to support a system of educators who are going to be doing something they'd never done before. Yeah. Yeah. So I really only had that first, that, that one week and then went into like hyperdrive of Mm -hmm. figuring out how we make everything work and how we can support everybody. And, and then, and then it became a lot more real. Now the pace still was different because I wasn't having to get up at 5am and leave the house and, and get my kids to all the things that they were doing. So there's st- there was that slowdown that really was necessary, mm-hmm. right? And the and the thing that really sparked in your post for me mm-hmm. was there were there are important things that we learned in that really hard time, yeah. and now that we have a little bit of space from it, what are we choosing? Mm-hmm. Are we choosing to go back to just trying to create the normal that existed before, which spoiler spoiler alert just doesn't exist. Yeah, but we could try to recreate it, right? Which yes. is what we do in say relationships, right? It's like, oh, I had this relationship, it, it dissolved, let me just go do another one. And it's like, will you do, it's not the same one, but like, is it sort of a mental pattern, if you will, mm-hmm. or like a a pattern of needs being not met. Yeah. Yeah. Needs not being met. And we had so many needs that were not being met. Yep. And we were forcing ourselves to live lives that we knew were destructive to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so now, now there is, now it's the time to decide, are we going to recreate that or are we going to live in a different way? Yeah, and I, I feel like we don't really have a choice. We're going to have to live in somewhat of a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. At the same time, when that new way threatens the existence of the old way, the old way will claw at, at the sides of the hole that it's falling into because it's no longer relevant. And so you will see this, you know, I'm sort of speaking in, covert speak here, but you will see that when there are systems that are threatened with this change, they will fight back and they will appear to be more um, powerful than they actually are. Mm-hmm. But they're yeah. just they're just having that last fight back and trying to stay relevant. So you'll still you'll still experience that in yourself as as voices or parts or things that will come through to to try to pull you back from the change that's already it's already happening anyway so you want to have a a mm-hmm. new career sh- if you want to have a new transition because of everything you went through and it showed you what's really important to you and you want to have some kind of transition whether it's a transition in your relationships your home where you live what you do how you identify you're going to take steps toward that in some fashion even if it's just thinking about it that's a step in itself and you're going to move forward a little bit and then mm-hmm. of course you're going to have parts of you that want to pull you back into what you know that's not bad it's not a bad thing it's just a natural occurrence of the sort of the contraction of rebirthing oneself if you will so you're gonna you're gonna feel that 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 sort of pulsing and I can hear my birds in the background I hope you can't but I am telling you I love these guys but I almost want to just open the door and be like do you guys want to go play outside for a little bit (laughs) they're drilling they're just drilling my brain lately but um at any rate, you'll you'll feel that push and pull inside of you as you become something that you haven't quite fully embraced yet, yeah. um, and that's a that's a wonderful thing because it recalibrates you, and that's what you need to experience and make peace with. Mm-hmm. I have to make peace with the systems that are trying to stop change that's naturally inevitably going to happen at any way at any point anyways Mm -hmm. again i'm speaking of systems here outside of us and then also the ones that we have created over time and i think that's such an important um mind frame to sit in because Mm -hmm. the metaphysical reflects the physical 
or 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 vice versa, right? Yeah. So, yeah. In, so the question that's being asked so much is why why is everything so chaotic right now? Mm-hmm. And you answered that question. The change has already happened. Yeah. And it's already so happening. What we're, yeah. So what we're seeing is the reaction of these institutions mm-hmm. who do not want that change to happen. Mm-hmm. roaring forward with this need for power and control. Yes, they're going to claw at the walls of their own demise. Mm, yeah, <laughs> clawing at the walls of their own demise. Absolutely. Yeah. If you don't know about uh, the story of Windigo, now I'm not going to, I am in no position to, to, to share any teaching around it. However, I will tell you it is a story that was gifted to me Um like 20 years ago and it still sits with me. And so if, if your listeners want to check something out that may just catapult their, their worldview is to, to read about Windigo, I shall leave it at that, but I will say it's the clawing at the walls of, of something that's already happening. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can fight it, but it's already kind of, it's already happening. <laughs> End of story. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And as that is happening, as those systems, as that's happening on the outside in the physical, mm-hmm. we feel the reflection of that yeah. on the inside, on the internal. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, yeah and this is, I mean, I, I'm not huge into astrology, not because I don't value it. It's just because I haven't studied it. But I will say, mm-hmm. you know, I believe we are entering into the age of Aquarius. Yes. Um, Right. And so with that, you know, there's, there's multiple changes that are happening as a result of that. Some of it is around technology, um, you know, but I think most of it is around a collective shift in consciousness. So here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. And is that um, we all go along to belong, right? Like we're going to go along with something because we want to belong. We don't really want to rock the boat, even if there are many rebels and change makers and rule breakers out there. Um, most of the time we go along with it because we want to belong. Everybody else is doing it, saying it. Okay, well, I'll just kind of whatever. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but we're, but we're going to do that. So that's happening. I've lost my train of thought, Lisa. What was I talking about? You're in my brain. Do you, do you know what I was going to say? We go along to belong. We do these things. Um, I'll come back to it. I'll come back to it. Something with the age of Aquarius. I will, I shall return to it. Um, and the shifts that the, the systemic shifts that come along with that. Yeah. Right. And so here's the thing. Thank you. So if we asked, so we know that like we can all probably acknowledge that divisiveness division is really making itself known. So that was one of the themes mm-hmm. that came out of COVID. And it's not that it was never there. It's that many people were in a privileged position, myself included, um, to not either know it, feel it, or handle it, face it, deal with it, bring it into our consciousness, into our lived experience. We just don't have to think about it because that's what privilege Mm -hmm. is. Not having to think about something. That's what privilege is. Right. And so that, that's going to, just that alone is a real trigger, right? Um, and so uh, that's going to bring out this division, right? So that's like a very big piece. But if you ask individuals, no matter where they sit in this division, whatever division we're talking about, because it's all over the place, mm-hmm. if you sit and talk to them, they w- we would all agree we want the world to be a better place. Yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. Same thing that's happening inside of you with your parts and all the things we think are bad about us or like wrong or shameful or embarrassing or like, oh, I've got this inner critic and I just have to like kick it to the curb, right? It's like, yeah. I've got to like cut this saboteur BS out. And it's like, well, why don't you just find out what it's trying to get you, give you because every part is good. They all have good intentions, right? And so that's one of those things that helps to soften us when we're in the work of healing or self-development or self-reflection or whatever name you give it, mm-hmm. is that all parts of us are good. And to hold that as much as you can when there's the ding-dongs out there that are talking about ding-dong things, because people are doing that. I'm just like, would you... St- like some of these YouTubes that come up on my feed, I'm like, why are you coming up? 
they blow my mind and people yeah. are loving it and they're just like buying it and they're buying into mm -hmm. it. Right. And so it's about being discerning as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're, you, there are no bad parts. There are no bad parts, period. No. And it is that destructive narrative of good versus bad, right? Yeah. The, it's, it's instilled in us so early, right? Yeah. Evil, it's a dichotomy. Versus evil. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something that is deeply programmed in us yes. that we feel like we have to take aside, right? And that's, yes. That's, yeah. Where we feel like we have to pick a side and then yeah. always represent that side. Yes. But, truth is there are no sides no Humans are so deeply nuanced and yeah. complicated that the more yeah. we decide there is good and bad and i have to pick a side we're mm -hmm. denying that nuance and that complexity which is mm -hmm. why it feels so dense and tense dense and tense and that is what we create when we view the world in a dichotomous way because then what that feeds into or like the ecosystem it continues to nurture whether that's good or not is the idea of I a problem and a solution uh -huh. right and that's so that's so and and that's out in the marketing and I have to be conscious of that when I'm you know sharing my work like yeah you do see what you have as a problem I do have a solution like those can be true and like can we break out of this idea that I have a problem and I have to find a solution? Yeah. Cause that'll just, that'll whip you around and around and around you go. It's just very much like a plant. Like if I have a plant that's not growing properly, is it a problem or is it just mm -hmm. a plant that needs different care or somebody to go, something isn't, some needs are not being met. What could that be? Mm -hmm. and Cause then, then we get into this. It's not working. Right. <laughs> yeah. but I'm because that is my daily that's my everybody's daily, daily about like, something yeah, the daily panic moment of nothing is working nothing is working what is wrong with me yes yes I know we've worked around that a lot I am not a problem to be solved I'm not a problem to be solved and the yeah. other and neither is your business period yeah, yeah. And then there's also that mind frame of the um, falsity of the linear. Yeah. Right. That I was here. I mm -hmm. want to be here. I'm somewhere here where the tr t nothing is linear. It's a constant no. cycle. Yes. But our human, our human brains want it to be linear. We want to go from here to there. And, and the there ideally is easy. Like I go through all the hard shit so I can get yeah. to the easy. Sure. But what if there was no easy, like my business is no, like there are elements to my business that are easy mm -hmm. that previously were not easy. There are yeah. elements elements to my business that have never been easy, that will probably never be easy. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think we are, it's funny because I think to be an exceptional visionary, you have to be slightly delusional yeah. because you have to believe in something that hasn't revealed itself as a, a, a tangible concrete reality. It's not mm -hmm. a provable thing. It's an idea. Yes. So there's that. And then also in, in our vision and in our journey, we, we, latch on to delusions, like delusional thinking of an arrival point. And usually when I ask people, well, how will you know? It's this nebulous thing, you know? I love that word, nebulous, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because I don't, because there is no arrival point. Yeah. And chances are, if we name the point, we can find evidence for its current existence right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We just have sort of these like lenses on that will only allow us to see the illusion that we'll never actually get to. Mm -hmm. And one of the tools that you use to mm -hmm. help people work through that is um, influenced by parts work. Correct. Yeah. Do you yeah. want to talk about what that what that is? 
Yeah, so I use parts work in relationship with quantum healing. So the two of them um, really coexist together. I can't really have parts work without being an awareness of quantum healing. So And the interesting thing about them is that parts work in quantum healing kind of work off of different assumptions. One is very step-by-step. -step. It's very structural. Uh -huh. It's very um, trackable. We can track it. Uh -huh. It has a, a somewhat of a script that you can follow. And it's wonderful and it works. It saved me a lot during COVID. So uh -huh. I, I, it's beautiful. And just like anything, if we just use one tool in the garden, we've limited ourselves. So there's lots of different things gardens need over time. And what I find is partnered with in relationship with quantum healing is really effective. And quantum healing put very quickly is sort of the question of, well, what is the wind? Uh -huh. So the what wind is, is yeah, so that's it. Like it's supposed to stop you and challenge and you're thinking in the way we normally do as, okay, well, to define something, it's this, this, let me go look in the dictionary. Well, quantum healing really doesn't have a definition in many, in many ways. And I think that's the, the most challenging part for some people uh -huh. um, because we all have a part of us that needs a definition. We need some kind of like, I need to attach this idea to something that I previously know. So, which is why I say, well, what is the wind? So the uh -huh. wind is something that we can know exists because we see how it interacts with other things. So quantum healing works with unseen energies like the wind because we can't see the wind. We only see what the wind does. So we can't uh -huh. see energy, but we can feel where it goes and we can see how it plays itself out when we're talking and how we're sharing ourselves. So quantum healing is part of the mystery of the work that I do. It is un unseeable, but it is, but it is ancient and known because everybody that I work with when we do quantum healing has some shift because of it. Some more than others, but it's much like, it's much like a door. The more you open it, the more the room becomes available to you. Uh -huh. Some people just want to open a little bit because they have parts that will stop them from getting vulnerable. So this is why we do both because once we can kind of open our system up, through the parts work, it becomes easier. And as far as parts work goes, the simplest way is we do not have this like monolithic ego. So just let's pause this idea that ego exists. So like take that out of your framework for a hot second, even though I know people will be like, what? But ego, like, okay, so just pause that. There's no this one ego thing. There's parts of us that are egoic and that they want to be right. They want to be seen all the things, but we don't have this like monolithic one voice that speaks to us and we speak back and th there's the conversation. We have multiple parts of ourselves, multiple little us's inside that we have created along the timeline in this lived experience. So since we mm -hmm. were born and maybe some of these come from previous lifetimes, not maybe definitely, but my work exists in this 3d lived experience. And so we've created all these various parts as a response to the world we were growing up in. So mm -hmm. some of them carry fears and traumas that we held and had that were given to us when we were say four or five, those parts tend to be very vulnerable. They tend to be the ones that carry the biggest burdens uh, because they were the most vulnerable and they were, uh, and so what happens over time is they become sort of exiled back into the, the, do, the, the do not go zone, uh -huh. right? Yeah. The do not, yeah. you know, when you're about to open right. up and you're like, and eh, shut it down. So what's happening yes. with that is now we're talking about, we've gotten parts of us that manage us that uh -huh. are protectors. That's all their job is, is to protect the outside from getting too close to that very vulnerable part. And they'll show up as the critics and the saboteurs, as the people pleasers, as the overworked, um, drag myself down to the bone, drag my, drill myself into a hole um, because I can't handle the idea that I might be rejected if I just don't play along with the game. So mm -hmm. we got, we've got all these protectors that we've built up over the years. And some of them are what um, Richard Swartz has called. So Richard Swartz, shout out to Richard Swartz is the one who, who's developed parts mm -hmm. work that has influenced the way I, I do my coaching and healing process. So you also have firefighters and those firefighters are the intense ones that come hell or high water. He likes to say, damn the torpedoes. We don't really care about collateral damage. So firefighters were the ones that I dealt most with over COVID. Mm 
They were the ones that were like, Leanna. Now I was uh, sober during COVID for, for actually for most of COVID. And then it was like, and we're done with that. So that sort of like, there were times, like not all the time, but there were hella times for sure, for full transparency, where my firefighters would come in and be like, listen, F the noise, get drunk. Um, and then you've got a great excuse to be hung over the next day. You won't have to do anything. Like it's all got it organized for me. And it, and it, yes. it made it so that I could rest without trying not to, because if you're hung over, like, forget it. Like, and when by hangover, I just mean like murky in my mind, I'm tired. I didn't sleep well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and so, so you have these, everybody will have these firefighters that if you're getting too close to something or you're just, you're overcapacitated, you're overwhelmed, will totally shut you down. And it's not just wine. There's all kinds of people will have, a, this is where addictions come in. Mm -hmm. So that, I mean, that's, that's, that's the quantum and the parts work, you know, 101. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the, the thing about it is that I really want, if, if there's one thing I could get your listeners to really take away is that healing is not a weekend retreat one and done. Yeah. No. And we have to stop this. So like when our time comes to a close, Lisa, right? Like in this particular time we've agreed to work together. Yeah. It isn't done for you, but you may have this part or people who have gone to healers, they may have this part that comes out later. That's like, this is BS. Like I, I already did this work and it's not done yet. And like, this is BS. And, but that's what the work mm -hmm. is. I'm still dealing with the same stuff I did 20 years ago, just differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Get used absolutely. to it. Right. Like, I, I mean, like, like I said, I'm in the part of my cycle where I'm like, just get used to it. Suck it up, buttercup. Cause that's what it is. Right. Like in a very, you know, pointy prickly way. Yeah. Get used to it. Yeah. Because it goes back to what we were talking about before. It's not, nothing is linear. Everything no. is cyclical. Yes. And even if we begin the healing, like that part, <clears throat> this is a tool that we both use in our practice now because it yeah. has been so effective in my own healing journey. Yeah. And I, I love it because as you know, I have the, like, I'm deeply spiritual and Mm -hmm. I am so fucking skeptical all at the same time. Totally. I'm with you. Good. Be discerning. That's yeah. a great attribute. Like it's a great yeah. quality to have. Yeah, it is. But it feels like sometimes I feel like I'm being torn in two on the inside. However, what yeah. I love about parts work, which also is known as internal family systems. Correct. Is it's Thank this you. Beautiful blending mm -hmm. of neuroscience as well as the spiritual, because the parts show up as the spiritual yeah. and it never fails when I'm working with someone in that process. They're like, this is so bizarre. It's like, there's a comic strip playing out in my head. How is this happening? Yeah. And it is like, that is the mystical part. But the science part is that our brain whole is an, is a neural net, right? Yeah. So when something traumatic happens, our prefrontal cortex goes offline and that's the part of the brain that makes a timestamp when something happens. Yes. Right. So that's how I know, like I graduated from high school in 1996 mm -hmm. and I can remember it and my brain, but I wasn't in an, Oh, I wasn't in a flooded state. I was in no. a self state in that moment. And so my brain could stamp it and go, yeah. these are really good emotions and you can go back and visit them. <clears throat> Because you know when they happen, then you know that it's a memory. Yeah. But when our but when we are flooded, when we are when we're in a red brain state or the prefrontal cortex is offline, <clears throat> that ability of our brain to timestamp goes away. It goes away. So, yep. It goes offline. Yeah. And you, you everybody will have that experience yes. of parts of their life that they don't remember. Like grade three, I don't remember grade three. It's mm -hmm. like it went offline, but it's only because I moved and I was, I think, seven at the time. Yeah. And my whole world shifted. And seven and eight is when your consciousness really opens up and you're like, oh, this is the world I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. 
So then anytime we have an experience in our current life mm -hmm. that triggers that emotion that happened when we were offline, it's like we are back in that moment again, because the Correct. brain hasn't time stamped it as being a memory, as being in the past. So yeah. we're experiencing it as if it's happening right now in this moment. Yeah. The brain only knows the moment. Yeah. We've named, yes. we've named it as memory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've named it as memory. Yeah. Which is and good. It's makes... a good word to have. <laughs> it is a good word to have. And it's what makes this so effective because it's mm -hmm. the process of working through parts work is getting yourself back into a self state so that yeah. you can separate yourself from that emotion a little bit and have a conversation with it, which is where the spiritual element comes in. So yes. I wanted to make this really um, concrete for people because it sure. can be a bit like, what? Yeah. And we haven't even really talked about self, right? Like mm -hmm. self is the truth of you that is revealed when you acknowledge the parts of your, of that you're carrying. And self is an experiential thing, much like quantum is an experiential thing, but it does hold qualities of, of a consciousness and ability to be calm, to be connected, to get curious. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's yes. free of, it's free of judgment. The moment that you bring a part forward and you, and you notice that you're toward it in judgment, that's not self, right? That's another part that's learned, well, this feeling is wrong, right? So self is like the mm -hmm. truth of who you are unwavering. That's been witnessing your life this whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we want to make that, we want to make this um, as tangible for anyone who's listening as possible. So Leanna is going to lead me through um, a, a little session. Yeah. Sounds great. So that you, so that anyone who's listening can hear how this work flows. Mm -hmm. Do you have a, a part in mind that you want to work with something that's sort of very front facing? In other words, like maybe not something too deep in the system, but maybe uh, something you notice on the daily that kind of comes in that's not super intense, but it's present and something to be um, processed. Uh, yeah, let's go with my steel rod. The steel Ooh, rods. the steel rod. We haven't mm -hmm. seen the steel rod and chatted with it in a while, it feels like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So um, because I actually have notes from our sessions with Lisa, what I can do is I can go back and that's the neat thing about parts is that I can go back and it's like a little story unfolding. I can see all the things about the steel rod. Now I'm not going to go back because we're going to do this just sort of here in the here and now, but that's the neat thing about parts work is that it's like this story unfolding of all the things that you carry and all the ways it plays itself out and all the voices and what they're really actually saying. So it's kind of cool. All yes. right. So and, you, and just one more thing. And yeah. because you and I have done this work, I've been mm -hmm. doing this work for months now. Yep. I know that I have a steel rod part, but it Correct. was through the process of exploration that I found this part. Yes. Yes. And if you are listening and you want to start thinking about what your parts might be, just take this time to go inward and listen to your own parts that might start to come forward as you and I are doing this work. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point to make. Like, so just start to pay attention to what comes up for you as you um, listen into Lisa's uh, experience. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So it's easy for you to get centered just like it is for most of us. Cause we can just pay attention to our breath. And that's really all we need to do to begin. And sometimes it helps to locate our body in space by just bringing awareness to our belly in the middle, our feet below, our mind above. I'm just turning down the volume upstairs, if need be. As we transition, we've been chatting a lot and thinking a lot. And so just full permission to just turn down the volume a little bit and start to become aware of the steel rod that we've brought forward and, and release any attachments to the steel rod showing up. If there's something else more present, 
and it's welcome to. So just starting to notice what's coming through for you right now. What are you noticing? The steel rod is coming through for me right now, but it's hot. It's like hot molten steel currently. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to make this really helpful for your listeners and just sort of talk to them through what we're mm -hmm. doing a little bit. So the first thing we're going to do is locate this in your body. So we want to locate it. We want to find where it is. Is it in your body? Is it outside your body? It's in my body. <clears throat> and whereabouts is it in your body specifically? It goes right down through my core from here through down through my belly. Yeah. Okay. And so the next thing you've already started, which is to kind of give it to start to notice how it presents. So it's, it's very hot very hot yeah it's very hot I can see almost it in your throat as I'm looking is it up in your throat mm-hmm okay so um, what I'm curious is are you okay with that so the you the Lisa you are you okay with it being so hot and so in your throat or would you like it to just pull back just a little bit so that we can get to know it no I would like it to calm down and pull back yeah okay so just to, just let it know I that you see it it's it's just trying to get your attention right so I mm -hmm. yeah you see it and just ask if it'll just turn itself down just even five percent just pull back five percent so that you can um, get to know it and, and help it Okay, that's not quite so hot and pulsy. Yeah, and it's okay if it is too, because mm -hmm. you can handle it, but also we want to make sure that you're comfortable. Um, and, and so just starting to come into, we want to just really check Lisa's self-energy is what Richard Schwartz calls it, but really that's like the truth of you as the divine witness. Um, mm -hmm. And so we notice how you feel toward that steel rod. How do you feel toward it? I just want it to soften <clears throat> okay. and stop being so rigid. Mm, so there's mm -hmm. a part that wants it to change. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Lisa's bringing forward another part that has a, it has a judgment, right? It's like, you have to be like this. You have to show up like this or that's it. Like, mm -hmm denied right and so that's not actually lisa that's not her truth that's something that she's learned about what's good and helpful and what's not good and not helpful right so mm -hmm. see if that part like let it know like i hear you want things to be different um see if that part will just sort of soften back and let it know we're here to help the steel rod see that part like <clears throat> nodding and sort of pulling back mm -hmm. okay how's your throat <clears> there's <throat> a lot going on in there still yeah and if you were to tap into all the ways that you know how to move energy in your body what do you want to do with your the energy in your throat just need to tap it So in the quantum that I'm talking about, the wind that we can only see in the way that it affects energetically, and I can see it in Lisa just because I worked with her, but I also because I'm a ninja at this, I've spent lots of time, I can see the energy in her throat. I can see that. So this might be something if we were working, you know, in a longer term session, like it may be something where like air wants to come through or you might feel like you're going to throw up. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I've definitely done that before. Right? So there's lots of, there's lots there. So my invitation is to be aware of how much you're swallowing and rather than swallow, just see if 
there's a, a, a way you can open your throat, you know? <sighs> ah. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. I'll take that. Again, if we were working in a longer session, basically, so dial it up, baby. But that's the idea, right? Like, this is where we can just like, ah, ah. Okay. So bring into awareness now how you feel toward that steel rod in you when the judgment is away and when we're inviting in some self-energy of curiosity and compassion and connection. Yeah. We can we can coexist. Yeah. So more neutrality. You're not so like pinged about it being there. Mm-hmm. There's more of you'll buy into the idea when I tell you that the steel rod has incredibly value and Im- incredibly important information. It's trying to guide you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a gift. Could it be a gift? It could be a gift. It could be. So what we're doing now is we're actually doing a little bit of like NLP, a little bit of like the mindset of like opening up to the possibility that previously couldn't be possible, which is like the steel rod is a gift. Mm -hmm. And you get like, you don't have to believe the whole thing, but you're open to it. Mm -hmm. So, so you know what self energy feels like for you. Mm -hmm. And just in that, what's been created self-energy wise, what is it that the steel rod needs you to know right now? What does it want you to know? That it's feeling unstable and unmoored. Mm. What's it afraid is going to happen if it becomes unstable and unmoored? Mm, but it won't know how to guide me. Yeah. Who is Lisa without the steel rod? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because you have listeners, you keep breathing, Lisa. Um, And for those that can't see, so there's a really predominant shift energetically that Lisa is able to gift and give herself because this is the truth coming through. The truth is who am I without this illusionary problem to solve? Who am I when I'm perfect? Who am I, who am I when I'm fully expressed and un, you know, unfettered and unhinged and, and fully open? Who am I when there's nothing to stop me? Mm-hmm. Who am I when I'm free? It's presenting now like it wants to have wings. Mm. And I'm feeling some tingles in the very top of my head. So that tells me that there's like a really nice opening that's available to you. Mm-hmm. We talk about wanting freedom, but when presented with it, it's very scary. Mm-hmm. We talk about wanting this next version, but when presented, we'll re- resist it. Mm-hmm. So the rod wants wings. Yeah, the rod wants to be free too. Okay. Where is the rod carrying its own resistance? Whereabouts does it carry it? In its rigidity. Okay. You might hear me burping a little bit for your listeners, but that's just me moving energy through. That's how quantum works. That's the wind hitting the trees. <laughs> so it wants it wants wings. Yeah. Does it need help with that? Getting this rigidity out? Or is it already starting to process it on its own? It's starting to process it. Yeah, so this is where we can just trust the... We don't have to do so much human doing. 
So Lisa doesn't have to come in and help this um, and puppeteer the release of this um, parts wholly. It's already happening because it's 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 like inevitably happening because we've named it, we've acknowledged it, we've we're speaking to it. So it's already sort of becoming the wings. It's like shedding scales. Mm -hmm. Ready to rest for a little while. Yeah. Where would it like to rest? Oh, like it's just sort of becoming this like pool mm. of soft water. Oh, that's really nice. Wow. Still wants to be here, but it's willing to be soft. Yeah. Still wants to look out for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So because we're, I'm also mindful of time, I want to tell your listeners that what we would be doing is that we would start to really ensure that this part knows who's who in the game. Right? Because mm -hmm. a lot of the times we have these really, you know, a lot of our our teenage parts, oh, they are strong and they will be fiercely trying to protect us. Mm -hmm. But they don't really know who we are, right? So we would start to like really make sure that this pool knows who Lisa is because Lisa is capable. Lisa can handle it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's, let's not leave things. So part of the work is we want to keep building trust. So you kind of come out of the system, which is totally fine, but let's mm -hmm. just go in and make sure that we, we close up so we don't have any kind of energy leaks where parts were left side sort of hanging out. Yeah. Um, so really acknowledging and thanking the part that kind of came in and was reminding us that we have judgment in our system. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it sort of gave us a little bit of space. So really thanking that part, really appreciating that it showed up and let us know that it's here. Um, and really um, being with that, that pool of water that, you know, still wants to be around in some way, but but honoring and appreciating the ways that it's um, let itself relax a little bit. Thinking all the parts that sh have shown up. And when this, um, what was a steel rod, but is now a pool of soft water, when it needs to get your attention, how is it going to let you know and listen for the answer? waves okay does that make sense to you mm -hmm. okay great yeah okay so it can stay there did it stay in your is it in your belly yeah okay i was like because i got gurgles everywhere i'm like so you might need to use the bathroom later just saying just saying yeah the belching was was starting because it's yeah. like the, the that rod went like it like melted down and is sitting in a pool yeah yeah it's either going to come up the up the top end or out the bottom end so mm -hmm. like and we don't i mean we we unless you're like in quantum healing circles or like any kind of that type of processing people mm -hmm. mostly want to like hide their belches or their other sounds so yeah, well, i mean the first time the first time we did this i sent you a text and said yeah. i cannot stop farting yes <laughs> and i was like yes that is awesome was, congratulations no, stop <laughs> Yeah, like, here's the thing. Yeah. Yes, we have these parts and they have stories and all the things, but they also have like an energy, they have energy mm -hmm. to them. They have like things yeah. and all uh, energy always wants to move. That's its natural mm -hmm. desire. It's like nothing yeah. is stuck, right? No. And so when people say like, oh, I'm stuck, it's like, well, are you breathing? Yes. Okay, great. Then you're good. Yeah, you just need some of that energy to move. And it, that's where, when you ask that question, what is the wind? Mm -hmm. My initial response is, well, it's energy. 
Correct. And that's why it's such a powerful question, right? Because mm -hmm. we can get all there's, we have all of our narratives around that word energy in the, in the different ways that it's used. But yeah. the truth of it is that it, it, it just is. It just is. It just is. It exists. It's very hard for any of us to be like, tell me more. <laughs> nope. Yes. That's it. It's like that annoying thing of, well, you just have to be. What the, does that mean? Like, mm -hmm. I remember that first time in my yoga class and I was so like, ah, and I remember sitting there and when my yoga mentor was like, okay, now we're just going to sit and we're just going to be. And I'm like, okay, be what? What should I be thinking mm -hmm. about? What should I be? Like, I, I was like, I hate this. Yeah. Now I'm like, oh, I could be so much that it's almost like the other end. Like, Leanna, we should try to be something today. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank yeah. you so much for being here today. It yeah, really thank you. That was that was great. Thanks for trusting me in that, too, because that's really shout out to you and all your parts. <laughs> well, they've developed some good trust, and that's why it's such it's such a really beautiful way to begin that healing process. And I so appreciate the work that you've led me through. Yeah. Next time we'll, you, you will join me on a live on my Facebook and we'll chat about more about the COVID stuff and tell all her dirty secrets to the world. Ah, that's perfect. <laughs> okay. 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 Thank you. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Electric acid.